This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 42 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. The Horse's Mouth. We would like to thank our sponsor, Equestrian Collections. Equestrian Collections brings the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. You can visit them at equestriancollections.com. And also Easy Signs Online, the number one farm sign company in the United States. Order online at easysignsonline.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. We'll bring you the news through hail hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And I am Helena B. And this is the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, hey, Helena. Hello. Hey, we're very excited. We got a lot planned for today. Tell us what our show is about, and then I'll introduce our special co-host. Well, I finally know what our show is about. <laughs> I know. This, one, <laughs> this one's been out of your mind for some reason for the last month. It's all about the horse's mouth today. We have two wonderful guests, and we're going to start with horse dentist Jeff Tucker. Uh, Jeff's going to talk to us about the horse's mouth, and um, our next guest is... Well, could be well-known to many of you, Dale Myler of Myler Bits fame. Um, he's going to talk to us about everything Myler Bits. And uh, we've got some chatting. Of course, we have Chris from Equestrian Collections with us today. It's always nice to have Chris with us. Well, yeah, I, I want to say hi, Chris. You're on the line with us right now, and we appreciate you joining us again. Well, hi there, Glenn, and um, hi, Helena. It's, um, it's a real pleasure to be with you again. Well, great. We're glad to have you. You're actually the reason that this show is, exists today, is you put it all together, and with the help of Twitter, of all things. Yeah, it was actually, um, it, it's been really a neat experience for us. Um, we're fairly new to Twitter. We've got about 1,500 people following us right now. But we met Jeff uh, Tucker um, on, online on, on Twitter, actually. Um, so... Um, and we just had Dale Myler in here uh, as we launched our um, um, the, the new brand of the, the entire uh, Myler Bit brand on uh, Equestrian Collections. And it suddenly came to me, well, this would be kind of interesting because the first thing that you'll hear probably Dale do is talk about how important it is uh, uh, to have good dentistry uh, even before you start thinking about using uh, their bit line. So it was like, ooh, that would be, that would be kind of neat. Well, we thank you for that. It's always so much nicer when other people think up the shows for us. <laughs> yeah, so. well, yeah. I like the fact that it, that's how it came about. Ooh, that would be neat because that's how we come up with our show ideas, yeah. too. <laughs> if, if, if people think that Helena and I just sit down and we have, you know, hour trudging out sessions of what the topics are going to be, mm. they're going to be sorely disappointed because. Yeah, um, no. No, no. It's Helena and I going, you know, I think that would be fun. 
and that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, and that's really what it's all about. It's, I think it's it's the fun, but I think it's also I think it's the magic of bringing each of the the very special parts of our industry together, and I think. Uh, collectively, we know we know so many people and so many brands, and so much of the history behind all these wonderful brands as they try and you know, bring them to our shoppers. That it's that it's an absolute pleasure to be able to do that. Well, you know. You know and- and- Ahead, Everybody's Hillary. always talking about um, lameness issues and training mm-hmm. issues. I don't find a lot of information about the horse's mouth. I mean, if you're looking for it, it's out there, but right. it's not kind of the hot hot topic. Um, so I also personally get a little bit intimidated by the whole bidding thing. You know, I just throw a double-jointed snaffle on there, and that's all I know. So this will be really interesting, I think, even for me in helping to demystify um, yeah some of what's going on with, with the horse's mouth. And, you know, yeah. be, let's be honest, as a horse husband, all I think about is the bucket of bits. And I go, <laughs> okay, there has to be a better way to learn what bit your your horse needs than to keep buying them over and over and end up with this huge bucket of bits that you'll half of them you'll never use again. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that's my pet peeve as a horse husband. So it's <laughs> just... Um, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> one of them, exactly. <laughs> well, I wanted to say, too, uh, Helena, that we... Uh, to just review a little bit before we get into our guests, uh, I wanted to remind everybody, remember we talked about Roz Savage, the ocean rower? Yeah. A couple weeks ago, she has actually left on her journey now, and she's been out there like five or six days and gone many, many, many miles, and she's tweeting all the time uh, from the boat. She has her satellite phone, and she sends tweets of several times a day. And you can go to rozsavage.com, and you can actually follow her progress. There's a Google map up there that follows her progress across the ocean. Um, and she's also doing podcasts on the Twit Network, and you, on her website also you can find the podcasts. So she started podcasting now, and it's so fascinating. The first one that she did, you hear the waves crashing against the boat, and you know she's saying, "Oh, I got to go inside. It's too windy out here." And <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, so it's very interesting to listen to. And I just wanted to remind everybody about that. Plus. We have a little bit of a follow-up on our author show we did last week and Julie Goodnight. We are still getting reactions on Twitter, on emails. People just love the Julie Goodnight show. That seemed to be a hit. Yeah, that really went very well for us. We didn't fall over ourselves or ask any stupid questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you didn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm good for at least one or two per show. And then we did the author show last week, and we also got quite a few emails about the author show. People really liked that. So I guess we'll have to do that again maybe in the fall again. We'll have, we'll have some new books to talk about. That, that seemed to go over well. And those guests were all very good. That, you know, that, was, that was good, too. Yeah, it's easy to do a good show when you've got good guests. Yep. And, Chris, we appreciate you joining us. Feel free to uh, pop in any time. And I wanted to say, speaking of Equestrian Collections and and our friends over there, we have to announce the winners of the May giveaway. And the one item was the Best Shot Equine MED Rain Rot box set from Equestrian Collections. And do we want to tell Chris now how much we hated her for giving (laughs) us that product and having to read it every week? Uh, Well, I think the product is really awesome. I've said this over and over again. Reading it was tough but it was worth it because yeah, it's a good spot it's we a have good nothing set. wrong with the product we just think you went through and picked out the hardest name oh, to did. say absolutely <laughs> oh wait a minute <laughs> this has been bugging me from the beginning what does med stand for 
Um, that's a, that's a good one. I have no clue. It stands for med. Uh. Well, we're going to come back with next week. We'll have the answer. We're going to start a new segment. I the answer for you. <laughs> Stable scoop trivia. What does med stand for? Well, find out. Tune in next week for the answer. Well, thankfully, the what you've donated so kindly donated this week is much easier to say. So we appreciate that. But the winner for last week of the MED, MED Rain Rot box set was Catherine Pratt from Harwood, Maryland. Uh, so oh, fantastic! Congratulations. Yeah, up your way, actually. Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. Yep. Just just north of us, in fact. And then we also did the free commercial from Stable Scoop Radio Show and Lauren Woodcock of Sash... I can't even say it. Uh, Sash... C? Saki? I don't know. Something like that, Texas. Um, Texas has some funny names. So we congratulate Lauren also, and we'll be happy. To, we'll, be, we'll be excited to hear what she wants to advertise. <laughs> that could be interesting, Helena. That- uh, Ah, to say the least. <laughs> and this month's new giveaway that you have to reg- re-register every month. You go to our website at stablescoop.com, and you'll see the giveaway link at the, on the right-hand side of the page there. Just click it. Go register. It's free. It's easy, but you have to redo it every month. A question, Chris at Equestrian Collections has kindly donated a $50 gift certificate, and Equestrian Collections brings the universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. Uh, use this $50 gift certificate on anything, Chris, or anything they yeah, want, right? Absolutely, anything that they would like. Yeah. Okay, and that's from the thousands of quality equestrian items they have to offer. You can visit their website at equestriancollections.com. And to make it confusing again this month, Equestrian Life, a different company altogether, uh, is our official social network of the Horse Radio Network, and they have donated two of their nifty ball caps. So you'll want to be wearing one of these guaranteed next time you go to the barn. And uh, you can check out Equestrian Life through the Facebook for Horse People, and you can visit them at equestrianlife.com. And actually, yeah. Chris, I think that we... Twitter, too, I believe. They're on Twitter, yes. so if you want to follow them on Twitter, uh, we do. We follow them. Uh, it's a fabulous, fabulous um, network, so um, I think it's probably the, the best social network out there. So take a look at, at, at their website. It's fantastic. Great. And speaking about Equestrian Collections, instead of going into our regular commercial for you, we thought we had you here, and you could probably do it better than us. So what, what's going on at Equestrian Collections right now? Um, well, actually, um, a lot. Um, but I think the thing uh, to, to kind of tie in with the show is that uh, we're launching our Mile a Bit rental program, and we also have finished putting up the entire Mile a Bit um, collection on our website. So now you can choose from the entire collection and we make it really easy for you. Uh, if you want to give a bit a try, uh, you're going to be able to do that. Um, I believe that's going live tomorrow or so. So um, the bits are already there. Um, they're all done by level. And as Dale comes on and starts to tell you um, about some of that, um, you'll be able to kind of go on, figure out which bits um, would be um, maybe um, something that you can use. And then just to take away the, the risk of it all, uh, you can actually rent them, try them in your horse's mouth, ride in them even. Um, and then if it works for you, keep it. And if, you, if it doesn't work for you, you want to try something different, you can return it and rent another bit. Is it is there a rental fee or is it just a deposit? How does that work? Yeah, it's a rental fee of ten dollars, which essentially covers your shipping uh, back and forth on it. So um, it's a ten dollar rental fee. Um, 
you know, what, what we've found is that um, you know, people are just a little, as you say, intimidated sometimes by this, you know, the, the, the entire range of it, and they're not quite sure. Um, or if you're like, like me, a hunter-jumper uh, background, you know, the thought of putting in a, a bit in a horse's mouth that isn't a, you know, a de-snaffle, it's like, oh, my goodness, I don't know what to do. Can I actually do that? Um, so to, to make it so that you can um, go and try it, ride in it, let your instructor see it, you know, rather than just being able to just you know, slip it into the horse's mouth just to see if it's the right size, what we say is go and ride in it, go and see the difference. Well, that's great. And 10 bucks is nothing, you know, especially no. at the price of those bits. Some of them are, yeah. get a little salty. So it's nice yeah. to be able to try it, make sure it works first so that you don't end up with that big bucket I talked about earlier. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're aiming to diminish your bucket size. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you can find everything at Equestrian Collections at equestriancollections.com. Uh, you know, one of the things I noticed is it's fly season. You, ha- you have a lot of eco-friendly fly yes. uh, stuff and you have all the mm-hmm. wraps and the sheets and pretty much everything for fly season. So, we do, uh, and even fly wraps, which uh, is a new product for us, that um, they actually go on uh, a little bit like shipping boots, and you can put those on. Those are terrific. Um, go out and, and you know try those out. It stops the horse you know stomping and getting uh, getting bitten quite so much. Um, they're, they're very 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 popular. That sure. we, I tried those for the first time last mm-hmm. summer when Zeke was recovering from his elbow injury because we mm-hmm. had to. We, we couldn't afford to have him stomping. And um, he was so much happy, so much happier with those on. I mean, I didn't even have to do the fly sheet, you know, just spray yeah. him down and then put the wraps yeah. on. And it seemed yep. to create a happy, much happier horse. Yeah, it, it, it really does. Um, uh, they're, they're just a terrific, terrific pro- uh, product. And we've just put those up. Um, they kind of, I'm not quite sure what happened in the industry with them, but I think they lost a distributor or something. They seem to vanish, and now English Riding Supply has them, which is terrific. Um, and so we just put those back up so people now can get those again fairly easily. Okay, great. All right, well, as I said, that's at equestriancollections.com. But I know we have a doctor waiting for us to call, so uh, let's, let's, let's uh, do that. Why don't you introduce our next guest here, Helena, our first guest, and we'll, uh, I'll get him on the line. We would like to introduce the most popular equine dentist on Twitter and in real life, too, Dr. Jeff Tucker. He has a website called theequinepractice.com, and he travels the country practicing his craft. He uses the tagline, equine dentistry without drama, and is an advocate of no power tools. When Jeff Tucker is around, the horse's mouth is a power tool-free zone. So here's Jeff Tucker. First, I have to say that Jeff has us beat. He, he, he actually does a little podcast, his Q&A session on his website. By the way, Jeff, you, you have a great interactive website, which for a, for a horse dentist, I did not expect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no offense to horse yeah, dentists all still, over the world. I mean, it's they're not known for being the best technological people, and you're great. You actually do a driving video podcast. Yep, that has me. us beat. Uh, um, he does. It's was, a little uh, scary though when you see the picture because he actually has his laptop right next to the right hand side of the steering wheel. And it's like, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> not sure about that. <laughs> He's twittering well. away. I, I do a lot of driving, uh, about 70,000 miles a year, 13,000 miles in the last two months, and I just take care wow. of horses all over the country. And there's a lot of hours spent. I'd rather drive than fly because I was flying over too much work. 
So right. there's mm. the camera sitting there right in the top of the laptop, the MacBook Pro, and I just click a button and presto. It is kind of fun to watch the cars going by and watch you trying to brake and avoid collisions. And yeah. <laughs> I got to give you the A for a, the, a clever idea there. I really do. Um, well, you got to know that I might have cheated because I've been a geek longer than you have, Glenn. I have, oh, a okay. my, I have my picture of myself in front of an IBM Selectric Typewriter, 1968, communicating with the IBM mainframe. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You are way before me. Yeah, that that's the very definition of geek. Geek right there. And so you just to give a brief reader's digest here, you you actually are are a veterinarian, correct? Yes, and it's interesting you said reader's digest cuz do they still publish? Yes, they do. I read it in the bathroom every month. Uh, okay. Way <laughs> more information than we needed, Glenn. <laughs> so so I was, I was published in the town that I went to, that I lived in my first 18 years of life. So everybody knows Reader's Digest from Chappaqua, New York, even though they have Pet, uh, Pleasantville as their address. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Ah, so you're yeah, from Chappaqua. So, yeah, I know. Oh. And see, Helena's a New Yorker, too, so. Yeah, I'm from the other side of the river, though. I'm from Rockland County. Yeah, that's okay. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> see, a true New Yorker. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. All right, so my question, my original question was, yeah. you, you are a veterinarian, now you're a full-time dentist. How'd you go from vet to dentist? Uh, well, let's do a paradigm shift here. Uh, up until recently, you had to be a veterinarian to do equine dentistry. Right. And until the past five years, maybe six years, um, if you weren't a veterinarian, you were committing a felony in just about every state. You're practicing veterinary medicine without a license. Uh-huh. That said, many, many vets didn't want to do it because it's very hard and time-consuming. So back in the 90s, I was on the New York State Equine Practice Committee, which involved a lot of uh, equine veterinarians discussing policy. And it was pretty uh, hotly debated whether we should pursue this in, in the state legislature to make uh, dentistry, dentistry legal or to come down on all the, uh, the uh, non-veterinarians doing dentistry. And it was split down the middle. Half of us said, uh, no, it's, it's manual labor. We don't want to do it. The other half said, oh, no, it's, it's veterinary medicine. And, of course, the third half didn't really care. So you're supposed to laugh, guys. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm also a goofy geek. We can um, try that one yeah. again. If you want, we could do a do-over. Yeah, you want to do it over? Well, <laughs> no. No, let's not put that much pain into this. But basically, in 1983, when I was in vet school up at Cornell, um, my mentor said, this is an important part of veterinary medicine. And he taught me how to float teeth and do it the old-fashioned, traditional way without power tools because we didn't have power tools in 83. Then um, I went out there and made it a part of my practice in 84, and it's it's always been a part of my practice. In the past 10 years, I decided to do it uh, outright without doing any other uh, medicine. And the power tool guys have come in, and they're claiming they do a better job, and, and they'll give you all sorts of uh, ideas and philosophies and, and uh, theories that, in my book, are, are very bad science and not proven correctly, and actually I feel are doing damage to some of these horses. It certainly makes it easier, and more and more people are getting their horses' teeth done because more and more people are floating horses' teeth. So I really don't have a problem with these guys hanging their head from the ceiling, jacking their mouth open, drugging the horse to another planet, uh, and using the power tools. I just don't think it's any, any horsemanship involved, and I think it's actually damaging some of these horses. So, 
here I am just out there floating teeth all over the country and just doing it my way. And that's the whole idea behind my podcast and my website. Is it, are you alone? I mean, are there other people, uh, um, contemporaries of yours, contemporary peers that feel the same way? Or are you sort of, you know, a maverick? Okay, Maverick sounds good. I like that. Yeah, he's gonna hang his hat on that one. I knew he would. Read his twitters and read his tweets, and you'll see what kind of Maverick he is. Um, let's put it in a more logistical way. Last fall, the American Association of Equine Practitioners, the AAP, uh, decided to have a wet lab for dentist, uh, dentistry, which is a weekend-long, hands-on experience with horses and equipment. The Florida Association of Equine Practitioners also had a wet lab for a weekend in the fall. So these are two opportunities where both of these organizations could call me and say, gee, Doc, you've been doing this for 26 years. You have 40,000 floats under your belt. Maybe you have something to offer. And both these organizations and the people who run the dentistry part know me. In fact, the AEP guy actually is the guy I sold my practice to in upstate New York. So he really knows me. They never even asked me once to, to give a 15-minute little spiel, nothing. So I said, fine. You know, if that's the game they want to play and the, and the veterinarians have their agendas, which is fine. They're trying to get more veterinarians to go out there and do this. That's fine, too. But I decided to take my message via Twitter and the Internet to everybody else. And I'm so thankful, Glenn, that you invited me on this uh, show and Equine uh, Collections to do the same thing. Because we need to, to let people know that we got to question authority a little bit on some things and, and wonder what happened to horsemanship. And so here I am, the rogue maverick, coming out here to you. Well, you'll find two believers in, in que- questioning things with Helena and I, I think, <laughs> um, which is one of the reasons <laughs> okay. that we do the show. Uh, I would say Helena even more than me. <laughs> so. yeah, well, I just I'm fearful of trends, you know, and that that whole herd mentality in people where somebody comes up with something and then everybody jumps on this bandwagon because I don't know, they everybody Bless seems to be heart. looking for this silver bullet. And, you know, maybe power tools was somebody's silver bullet and then everybody jumped on board. It, it's obviously a benefit to the veterinarians. But like you said, it. it it might not be a benefit to the horses. So um, well, I'm always like a less is more type of person. Well, I'm risking, you know, political suicide here, but um, there's really nothing wrong, again, with veterinarians trying to advance the cause and do, do a lot better job. Because you and I both know that there's a lot of dentists out there who have not done a very good job. And how, much time, how many times are you going to reach in your purse and bring out money to pay for somebody, something that wasn't done well? And my last... Um, article went out was called UFRD, which stands for Upper Fronts Recently Done. And the horse I did just before this pot, uh, this, this show uh, was exactly that. I had the owner actually stick her hand in the horse's mouth. The first upper cheek teeth were smooth as a baby's bottom, and the 75% of the rest of the teeth were sharp as razors because the guy just didn't do them. So how many times are you going to spend money on that? It's just right. ridiculous. Well, now, are there? Do you do mostly competitive horses, or just all, all competitive and all kinds? Any kind. You ask, I come. Okay, and you know we're having uh, Dale Myler of Myler Bits on here next, and it's it's interesting. We thought the two went together very well because there's so many people out there who forget about, and even competitors who forget about their horse's mouth as far as dentistry. Try all of these bits, and you know they're always wondering why nothing works. Oh, well, that's simple. Um, there's two there's two things that I need to talk about here. Number one, the only premise that I have for floating horses' teeth is to remove pain. That's it. 
and there's so much pain in a horse's mouth from some of these sharp teeth. Now, don't ask me about the what the horses do in the wild or prehistoric horses because we don't have that. We've bred for speed, agility, strength, beauty, but we've never bred for teeth. So I don't know what they used to be like, but I know what they're like now. Now, uh, in addition to how sharp the teeth get, the other thing is the threshold of pain. Of pain. So if I put, Glenn, a pebble in your shoe and Helen a pebble in your shoe and you both go running, one of you is going to say, ouch, and the other one's going to say, what's the problem? It's just a pebble. Horses are the same way. I'd so, be the one saying, ouch, by the way. I just wanted to clarify I'm, that. You know, I didn't want to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Women are always tougher, and you know it. I have a but, few more shoals we can schedule you for. <laughs> I think I've just been replaced, actually. <laughs> well, listen, so what you're saying I'll, is some horses can handle the pain better than others. But exactly. So what do we do to, to make sure that nobody has to be stoic about it? Well, here's the problem. Let's say you live in wherever you live and you try to get an equine dentist and you either can't get one or you get only the power tool guy that just does all this smoke and mirror stuff or you get a guy up there who throws a, a blade in there and doesn't get the job done well or you get a guy who does a competent job. And it's a crapshoot out there and I don't know how you do it. I really don't. I How do you know I'm that, under- like, I mean, if without sticking your hand in, or maybe you do have to stick your hand in your horse's mouth, so you, maybe it's your vet who does it or you've got a dentist. How do you know that they've done a good job? A fantastic question. I tried to answer that in my last article, so I refer people to the equinepractice.com and read that article. But basically, there's two things. One, the horse will tell you, and two, listen to your gut. And what I mean by that is when the horse is being floated, and you're observing this, if you don't think it's right, or if you don't think the horse is enjoying it, then he's not. And two, I don't drug my horses. I rarely give them drugs, and it's a whole different subject, but um, most of these guys are drugging the horses and they're not getting the feedback. When I float a horse, you know, their eyes could be bugging out, their head could be a little up, and I start getting these spots and they say, oh, thanks, the head comes down, they start licking their lips, their eyes soften, they put their head into my chest, and they actually say thank you, which is, that's the horse that's telling That's you. amazing. That's so the horse, there's your whole argument for why not to drug a horse right there. Exactly. And the next day when you ride the horse, the horse goes so much better. Then you know, one, something was fixed, and two, you went too long since the last floating because the horse, you're fixing something and not preventing it. Um, Go ahead. Go ahead. I got well, so much to say. I was just going to say, you know, this reminds me a lot of another area of the horse that you have the same issue with, and it's what Helena mentioned, how do you know, blah, 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 is it's a farrier. You have the same thing with the farrier. You have to try different ones. You end up with the one that actually knows what they're doing, but there's so it's just like you're talking about. There's so many out there that don't know what they're doing anymore. Um, it is similar, but it's not. And, and the reason is, with a hoof, you can see it, but even though you can see the hoof, if your mind isn't trained and you don't see those tubules being crushed in the heel, and if you don't take a lateral uh, radiograph to see exactly where the solar surface is of the coffin bone, I know I'm using big words and I only float teeth, but sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> keep going. Keep, we're listening. You do have a DVM okay. after your name, so we'll forgive you. <laughs> okay. But if you don't see that parallel to the ground or four degrees off the uh, parallel, um, then you've got the whole coffin bone out of whack, and you're going to get crushed tubules, you're going to get crushed heels, contracted heels, all that stuff. You can see that, and if you educate yourself, you can see it. But on the teeth, it's, it's different. 
because one, you can't see anything back there, not normally. And two, if you stick your hand in there and feel it, you don't know what you're feeling for unless you've done a lot to know the difference. And three, all you're trying to do is remove pain. And it's instantaneous in a horse. When you take the pebble out of your shoe, it feels better. And you take that sharp point that's sticking into the tongue and get rid of it, it's an instant reaction. They love it. So, so what kinds of problems then, uh, the, what, or I guess pain problems or problems in, with the mouth in general, or do you find that are the most common in pleasure horses, let's say? Um, if I say neglect, I don't want to mean that the, the owner is neglectful, but the teeth have not been addressed properly. That's the okay. biggest problem I see, 99% of the cases. And the biggest tooth, the number one tooth that seems to bother them the most is actually the back bottom tooth. It's almost like uh, they get a sharp point and it digs right into the tongue. And what I try and do is round the back bottom teeth so the tongue has a safe place to go. And nobody's talking about the tongue and how important it is to the health of the horse and the comfort of the horse. But if you get that that place, uh, get a safe place for the tongue, in other words, there's no pain, then the tongue can move around, clean the teeth out, clean all the food out, be comfortable as you shove it out of the way with a bit, especially if you're putting in a lot of hardware, big thick bits or double bridles and dressage, and you're moving that tongue back, they're trying to find a safe place to go and they can't, they're going to give you some objections, such as tossing the head up or having resistance in turning the head one side or the other. Those are the biggest problems. So... Avoidance of pain and, and not getting rid of the pain, painful spots is the number one problem in a horse. Oh, I got more to say. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, somebody who can talk more than me. <laughs> He's got you beat, I think, Carolina. I, I'd have to do this to you, and, and I, I, just because this is my, my thing, it gives me a baseline on, on to know whether or not the care I'm giving my horse is, is the right thing. And you said that right. you, what do we, what do wild horses do? We don't know because we, we really, we just don't know that. Um, but I'm going to push the issue a little bit and say uh, for horses that are left to their own devices, let's say, um, who are not stabled, who sort of live out on, you know, subsidized right. government lands, do they, is there, you know, do they seek out, like, do they chew rocks or do they, <laughs> what do they, how no. do their teeth work? I think just about every horse I see out there, um, the, the number one thing is the genetic potential for sharp teeth. There are some horses that just have hard teeth and other yep. horses that have soft teeth. So the soft ones, easy to float, and they get sharp very quickly. If they were chewing rocks, yeah, they probably wear down to nothing. Um, then you have the horses' teeth that are really hard. They hardly have a problem. But here's the issue. Those horses that turned out in the wild uh, are only eating. That's their only concern. And I've seen horrific teeth, and the horse is fat as can be. They seem to get along just fine. It's when you throw a bit in their mouth and ask them to respond to gentle pressure that they object to that. It's just the change. Well, that makes so sense, I think, actually. So horses' yeah. teeth can have different, hard, different levels of hardness? Absolutely. I'll ah. never forget one horse. I floated its teeth, and two months later, it was as sharp as if I hadn't done it in two months. And I came back and floated it three times, and then I called up the veterinarian. I said, we have a problem with this horse because if I keep floating it, it's going to run out of tooth because a horse's tooth continually erupts through life. Right. And I was really concerned about this horse. So what did the owner do? The owner called in another dentist. And he was a powerful guy, and he came in and, of course, reamed me out, just basically said I didn't know what I was doing. Look at this. I missed this and that. And, uh, and flow the horse's teeth down, and 
And I have no idea what happened to the horse after that. But the owner finally came back to me and said she was sorry and she'd never do that again. Well, we only have a couple minutes left, believe it or not. I could talk to you all day, and I think we'll have you back because I think it would be a fascinating conversation, actually. Um, you know, I... <laughs> Do, do horses, let's talk a little bit about the senior horse. And I had a pony that died at 43, so I wow, had one of those. Pretty senior. Yeah, pretty yeah. senior. Do horses' teeth wear down faster when they're eating one thing as opposed to another? Does that really matter? I haven't noticed that at all. Okay. And I do thousands of horses a year, and um, it, it's genetics. Because I'll get some horses that wear down faster than others in the same barn being fed the same thing. Oh, okay. So... And, of course, we have to get to cribbing. What what do you believe is the best solution for cribbing? Do you have any thoughts um, on that? Leave, leave the barn. Don't look. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, listen, there's a, a great researcher, behaviorist uh, out of Cornell, Professor Emeritus, Dr. Haupt, who uh, studied how many times a horse chews in a day. And they chew between 10,000 and 40,000 times in a day. Um, keep in mind there's 86,400 seconds in a day. So up to half their day is spent chewing. Um, she found that as she studied these horses, she didn't draw any conclusions. She's just giving an observation here. But horses that are kept outside tended to chew more toward the 40,000 times. And those horses, she said, if they were always outside, she never spotted a cribber out there. It's only once they came in and stopped chewing as much. And I don't think people feed as much hay as they should Horses are continuous eaters because they do not have a gallbladder, right. and so they should have hay in front of them at all times. But that little fact seems to miss 90% of the horse people out there, and so they feed them two flakes at 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon and leave it till the next morning, right. and they're not meal takers. All right. I so think, Helena, I, we've plain run out of time, and I know that we could talk. Helena and I have about a 1,000 more questions for you. Will you come back sometime? I would love to. I love this subject. I love you uh, offering me this opportunity to talk. All right, well, great. We'll, we'll definitely have you back. Yeah, I think I might okay. be a convert. It's nice <laughs> to meet you as well, have to say. Uh, I look forward to it. All right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jeff. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. A small farm and business owner signs are the most affordable means of advertising for your business. And most businesses, new or not, don't have a dollar to waste. The Small Business Administration says signs are the most effective yet least expensive form of advertising for the small business. What's more, signs are always on the job for you, advertising 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Enhance your farm entrance with an affordable, professionally designed farm sign from EZSignsOnline.com. From elaborate carved signs to simple entrance signs, vinyl banners, pet memorial markers, and stall nameplates, the folks at EZSignsOnline.com have what you need in durable outdoor signs. Their unique website uses a step-by-step process, allowing you to choose all the options and to see complete pricing before you buy. Visit EZSignsOnline.com today and take advantage of their current sale of 10 to 15% off and free shipping. Remember, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. We would like to thank Judy at Toklat for helping us set this interview. This is uh, Dale Myler of Myler Bits. Um, we're very pleased to have him with us, and I would say that he is definitely one of the leading authorities on bits in the world. Dale, with the help of his brothers, founded the popular Myler line of bits. In fact, Dale's extensive research into equine dentistry and equine physiology has brought an added understanding to the connection between bidding and the equine mouth. 
You can learn more about Myler Bits at www.mylerbitsusa.com. And of course, we'll put a link to that on the Stable Scoop website. So welcome, Dale. We're so happy to have you on. I know I'm personally happy to have you on because bits are one of those areas of horsemanship that I find very intimidating. Um, and so I, I guess, though, what I'd like to know a little bit first is about um, your background and how and why you got into the bidding part of horsemanship. Well, the, the bidding uh, portion came into the fact that our older brother, Ron, uh, was training cutting horses for the public for a lot of years. And all the time he was training, he was building bits for the horses. And the two things that he was trying to accomplish through building bits for these horses was, one was to get a horse more relaxed into the bridle, and secondly, and even more important, was to be able to put the shoulders wherever you need them to go because a horse does not follow his head and neck. A horse follows his shoulder. So that's how it got started, and eventually... Uh, every once in a while, somebody wanted one of the bits that had been designed, and it turned into a little bit of a business. And then you, you've obviously grown the business. You're one of the most popular bit companies out there. Um, was it, Obviously, is it, what was your background before you went into the bidding business? Were you in manufacturing or anything like that? No. Uh, like I say, Ron trained horses. Bob was a boiler maker, and myself, uh, I worked in a sheet metal shop. <laughs> but we've always had horses our whole lives. Well, I'll tell so you what, it's funny to, how it's funny how we end up in the places we do, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely. But it's, you know, like I say, our, we grew up with horses. Our dad had horses our whole lives, so we'd always been around them. So what would you say are the most common misconceptions about how bits work in the horse's mouth? I think the most uh, common uh misconception is the fact that people think that a single joint or a three-piece mouthpiece are the kindest bits you can put on a horse. When in our theory of bidding, they are one of the most interfering bits you can use. So uh, our theory of bidding horses where it changes from other people's theory is that we feel a horse evades tongue pressure, not so much bar pressure. And the reason we say that is because right behind your back tooth, it's the same as the bar of a horse. It's a piece of bone covered with skin. You could press your thumbnail in there as hard as you could press and walk any place you wanted to go. But if you stuck your finger in the center of your tongue, you wouldn't go 30 feet and wish you hadn't done that. And a horse is the same as a human. They've got to be able to have that tongue free in order to be able to swallow and move saliva. What kinds of bits, uh, non-miler bits, um put the most tongue pressure? Uh, the single joint and the three-piece mouthpieces. Because, okay. uh, as a matter of fact, uh, those are the bits that when you have contact, especially on an English horse where you keep a contact, when you keep contact on a single-jointed mouthpiece or a three-piece mouthpiece, that's when that bit, when that horse is exactly where he's supposed to be for you, that's when he's being interfered with the very most. Because that's when you are pinching his outer lip, you're pinching his bars, and you're driving your bit right into the center of his tongue or across his tongue and interfering with his swallowing. Now, I've got, uh, I've got some articles here uh, that we use in our PowerPoint as to reinforce what we're saying. 
and one of them is from uh, Mr. Dale Jeffrey, who's the founder and the president of the Worldwide Academy of Equine Dentistry, which I've had an opportunity to go out there twice and do talks for them. But And I also was invited to do a talk for the International Academy of Equine Dentistry in Orlando, Florida, at their conference last March. So uh, we very, very much advocate dental work as the most important thing before bidding a horse to make sure that mouth is in excellent condition. Hey, and we just had, uh, actually, we just had a dentist on, and uh, I think he hit that point home quite well. You know, I'm a horse husband, so I, we were talking about earlier that I'm the one that always whines about the entire bucket of bits that never get used. Um, how much would you say that bidding problems are caused by the rider's education or technique versus the actual physical discomfort caused by the bit design? You were just talking about that. I'll tell you what, if you take a horse that's evading, there's only a few ways a horse can evade a bit. And one, he can come up out of the bridle, toss his head up. He can drop down and go out with his head and try and pull you out of the saddle. He can open his mouth. He can stick his tongue over a bit, out the side of his face, up in his throat, or come behind the vertical to his chest. That's the only way horses evade you. And what happens is if you've got a horse doing any of that stuff, put a holder on that horse, put him in an area where he can't get away and ride him and see how much of that goes away. The bit is the steering wheel of the animal. And it is one of the most important things that that animal can have because bits only do two things. They do not train animals. The only thing bridle bit can do is when you make contact with that bridle bit, it can create evasion out of a horse or a mule, or two, when you make contact, it can allow relaxation. So it can either create the animal to go away from your hand or allow the animal to become relaxed and come to your hand. That's all a bit does. It does not train anything. So the more relaxed the horse is, the easier it is for a student to learn how to ride that horse correctly. Okay. Because they're not fighting them. Now, I will always start with a double-jointed snaffle when I'm riding a new horse. And unless I feel some sort of objection uh, or evasion, I try to stay with that. Just because what I've been taught is that that is the mildest of um, type of bit that's there for the type of riding I do. But a dear friend suggested that I try the Myler Comfort D on my quarter horse because he needed some help um, learning how to balance through bend and turns and she thought this might be a good bit to help with that training challenge and I found it very helpful for training on the flat. He seemed to really appreciate the bit Um, but interestingly though when we would go out hunting he went much much better in his plain old single jointed um, sorry his plain old um, loose ring French link and by better I mean that when we were hunting he felt softer in his jaw, more willing to accept a moderate amount of what I call hunting contact. Um, can you help me understand the difference and why these two bits had a different effect on my horse in those those situations? Sure, because when you were working your horse in an arena, you were riding with a D-ring bit, so your rein would catch someplace and allow you to lift your shoulders and make your bends. Right. When you So you were getting more pressure across that tongue but it was even smooth pressure because it was a smooth consistent sleeve 
a round sleeve in the center of your bit. When you went across country, you went to a loose ring. Now you can't get the down pressure into that horse's mouth because your rein runs the ring. Very difficult to maintain a shoulder position on a horse when your rein runs the ring like that. Right. Because the farther your rein, and when you're out hunting, that horse's nose is out a lot more than when you're doing arena work trying to collect him up. Hmm. So you've got more you got more lift to your shoulders and stuff with the D-ring, and you freed him up with a loose ring when you take him out hunting. Now, as far as as far as the bits go, let me read this to you from from uh, Dale Jeffries, who I already uh, said he's uh, the founder of the Worldwide Academy of Equine Dentistry. It says, posterior pressure from the bit. To start with, it's called reduced airflow caused by excessive tongue pressure from the bit. Posterior pressure from the bit can cause the base of the tongue to exert pressure on the soft palate, which in turn may partially close off the epiglottis, shutting off a percentage of the airflow to the lungs and increasing the air pressure within the pharynx. Now, Dr. Joyce Harmon has an article that tells where there's muscles from the tongue. The tongue is the strongest muscle in the horse's body. There's muscles from the tongue that go to the hyoid bone. And from the hyoid bone, they go straight down the center of that horse's neck to the sternum, and then they shoot off to both shoulders. So if you've got a bit that has excessive tongue pressure, after a while you interfere with the whole front end of your horse because his tongue is connected to his front shoulders. Then there's other muscles, tiny muscles, that go from the hyoid bone to the TMJ system, which is part of his nervous system, which shows him, allows him to know where his feet are at at all times without him looking at him. So in her deal here then, she says, thus you have a direct connection from the tongue to the sternum and shoulder. Consequently, if you have tension in the tongue, you have tension all the way down to the sternum and shoulder along the bottom of the neck where you actually want relaxation. Once you have tension to the sternum, the horse cannot raise its back and use a circle of muscles that connect the pole to the tail and travel along the underside of the horse back up to the pole. All of this anatomy and physiology translates into a horse that is able to move more freely and with better coordination when his tongue is free and soft. Horses' strides can lengthen significantly, their balance becomes better, and above all, they are softer to ride. You have tension in the tongue, you got tension throughout the body. you got a soft, supple tongue, you got suppleness throughout the body. Same way with the human. I've, we're doing an article right now uh, collaborating with Dr. Joyce Harmon and a speech uh, pathologist and a throat specialist and another veterinarian, and they're doing an article on the similarities between what happens to the human body if you take and restrict the swallowing of a human versus what happens to an animal. And if you restrict a human swallowing, you shut off the air, uh, the oxygen to their brain and you can actually make him pass out. When you restrict the horse, you shut off part of his air passage because he pulls that tongue up into his throat and shuts off part of his epiglottis. 
Yeah, I thought that was interesting when, uh, Gail, when you came and you were asking us to not swallow. Uh, and it's true you, that between not swallowing and then restricting your air, it's the two things that really panic people. Um, and yet a horse will actually choose to do either of those rather than the, 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 the pain. So um, it's, it's, it's amazing that uh, I, I don't think many of us think when you put a bit in a horse's mouth that you're causing them that much pain and that much anxiety. Well, that's true, and, and there's two things you cannot do to a human being. You can't do it to an animal. You can't shut our air off, yep. and you cannot take our ability to move our tongue and swallow away from us for very long at a time. Now, if your your listeners want to get an idea how it might feel to an animal, I can't talk to them, but if they want to get an idea how it might feel to an animal to restrict the swallowing, just have them to ask them to keep their mouth closed put their tongue at the bottom of their palate, or not their palate, but at the bottom of their jaw and try and swallow. Now, if they find that difficult, now keep their tongue at the bottom of their mouth and pull their tongue back a quarter of an inch and try and swallow. God. And if that's difficult, then open your mouth a half inch, and you cannot swallow. Right. Okay. Oh, that's I, awful. I just I, tried it. <laughs> it's awful. This is what we do to the horses. It's we awful. We take a bit that traps yep. their tongue at the bottom of their mouth, and then they try and pull it back to swallow, and it pushes against the soft palate because we're holding it down there, and it shuts off part of their air passage. Okay, so I understand all of that, and I think, you know, I just tried it, and you're absolutely right. Um so what do we have a lot of listeners who are not professionals they don't have coaches they have horses and they you don't there's no bit school so how do they learn what kind of bit to buy you i mean you guys have great bits but there's also you have a you have a selection of i don't know how many it seems like hundreds um so what how do they know where to start that that's a really great question that's why we have a questionnaire Okay. We don't ever try and recommend a set of bridle bits till we get answers to a questionnaire and try and get the history of the horse. And as as far as uh, people that are not professional riders and stuff, that is the biggest group in the world. Those people we are really concerned with of trying to help them because they are very interested. And they're looking for some education, and those are the people that we try and help, and that's that's why we do all of our clinics and our seminars and stuff. I just came from six weeks off of the road. I was out on the road for six weeks doing seminars and stuff where people come and we talk about bridle bits and stuff, and we do a PowerPoint where we show them before and after horses and talk about evasions of horses and stuff. So well, and I will that's say, the only way we can do it. And you do Ahead, There's also Chris. a nice book. Uh, it's a great book that they they have too, and a, and a and a video which we found very helpful um, here as, as we try we trained our customer service um, ladies um, to help people on the phones. It's um, it's very enlightening, and I would uh, I would recommend that as well. How do you get it, Chris? Yeah, we have it on the equestriancollections.com. Uh, we have it. It comes in a pack between. You can get the book and the video together. So it's. Um, it's a it's a nice it's a nice package and it's um, it's certainly it, it kind of goes into exactly what Gail's saying but lots of diagrams and and pictures of the bits and um, all of that so it's um, 
it's um, very helpful. Uh, I found it very helpful. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, we could, it's just like the last guest, we could, we, we always run out of time. <laughs> um, <laughs> when we, and not questions. I don't know about you, Helena, but I have a, I know you have a dozen more you could ask. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah. But we are running out of time. I, I recommend everybody, you have a lot of good information on your website too, and that's mylerbitsusa.com. Uh, Chris can help that uh, you help train her people, and I, th- I think that they can be a help too. Everybody forgets that the places that sell these things uh, also can be a help. So, um, and then there's a lot of good information out there, and uh, as I said on your website. So I encourage people to to check it out. If you if they write to you, is there a way they can contact you, or or do do you answer emails or anything? Who are we talking to here? Uh, t- talking to you. Okay. Yes, we get uh, questionnaires on our uh, from our website every day. Okay. Good. All right. Where good. We've got our we've got our questionnaire on the website that they can fill out. All right. And, I, and I, we call them and talk to them. So. Well, that's great. That's fantastic. I do see it here. There's a lot of good questions here, and they can go to your website at mylerbitsusa.com. And, Dale, we appreciate you being on with us, and we'll probably have you back again sometime. Well, that was fascinating, Helena. I know, and Chris, I'll tell you what, we could we could spend all day. I know, Chris, he was with you almost all day, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He was absolutely fascinating. I've never met anyone that really understands bitting as well as, as he does. It's um, really opened my eyes and all the, the people here were all horse people uh, with years and years and years of experience that we were captivated. And a lot of um, the, the staff here actually went out and got the Myla bits and have been using them since uh, with just astounding differences in, in the way the horses are going. So he truly converted um, all of us, I think. Well, and I know when Myler Bits first came out, I was we, we had our company, uh, tack company, and we said mm-hmm. we. I know you probably said the same thing. Nobody's going to buy these bits; they're too expensive. Mm. And that has not been the case because no. they turned out mm. to be good bits. They're um, very good, um, and you know people are willing. It's actually not a. It, it's it's a small investment when you think of the hours that you spend fixing the issues that the bit that you keep in your horse's mouth. And you just keep fit, trying to fix it and trying to fix it. Whereas with one change of bit, um, all of the behavioral issues that you're seeing will often go away if the bit is right. Right, correct. Okay, good. Well, this has been a fun show. I, uh, we hadn't talked to the doctor before. We had only twi- tweeted with him, <laughs> and uh, he turned out to be you know a whole lot of fun also. So that was good. Well, you know, Helena, we do get emails, and we got one last uh, week. Uh, we got a number of them last week, but this, this one in particular I just pulled out, and it was from Emily. And she said, hi, Glenn and Helena B. I really enjoyed the Stable Scoops book reviews and author interviews. Thank you. I teach a lot of beginners and adults who haven't ridden since childhood. It's great fun, and the Kentucky Horse Council's DVD will come in handy, both for my lending library and unmounted learning fun for all ages. We actually, I tell you what, we're, we should be in marketing or sales or something. Cause <laughs> <laughs> we should. It's, it's funny. I'm, I've, I'm just looking. We're twittering this as, uh, as we're recording with you. Oh, really? And, and I just got something back from a lady who says, um, I know my, I, about the mile a bit, says, I know my mare was in, in, um, a, uh, in a different bit, went to a mile a bit and went from raving lunatic to excellent dressage girl. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that was nice. 
<laughs> Raving lunatic. I think I've had a few of those. <laughs> We've all got one. We've all had one of those. <laughs> you know, that is what's so much fun about technology today is that instant right. feedback. You don't get that. I mean, you couldn't get that before. It just didn't exist. No. Uh-huh. So it's so much fun. Well, we, we, are, we have plain run out of time, Helena, about 15 minutes ago. So... Uh, we will return next week. We have a lot of really cool shows planned for you this month. There's a lot of neat stuff coming up. And you can find all of our show notes with the links to the doctor's website and to the Mylar Bit website uh, right on our show notes at stablescoop.com. And we do want your feedback. Send us emails. Drop us a voicemail. And you can do all of that at our contact link on our website. You'll find that right at the top of the page. And we'd also like to thank Chris for being here. It's been great fun. Chris also actually sponsors another one of our shows with us and that's Mm -hmm. the eventing radio show and that's on our network at eventingradio.com we also do the 2010 radio show and that's all about the world equestrian games at 2010 radioshow.com and our newest show just came out is the dressage radio show at dressageradio.com and if that list gets any bigger we're just not going to be able to talk about all of them and every show because it's just getting too long and Helena, I'll tell you what, we, we never get to chat at the end of the show because we've always just worn out our welcome in the beginning. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. I'm feeling a little cheeky today. I, <laughs> whatever, it's Wednesday. <laughs> That's right. Well, Chris, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for Equestrian Collections for sponsoring the show. And we will see you all again next week. And Helena... We will be back here with a new scoop. 